So, as most of you know, uh, I am not Jason Haygood. Uh, Jason is the handsome gentleman that did the announcements this morning. So, I know this is kind of like when you go to uh, see a baseball game and your favorite player is on the bench and you have to watch somebody else fill in. Well, you are uh, stuck with me for the next 45 minutes to an hour at least. So, um, yeah, 45 minutes to an hour. I figure I, I got some time, right? Um, but in all seriousness, um, Jason and I kind of swapped roles today. He did the announcements, and I'm going to bring the message this morning. So we have been talking about this idea of knowing who God is and kind of understanding who God is. And we're going to continue that trend here today as we talk about one of the important attributes of God. We're going to be talking about a God who gives. And this is something that I feel like sometimes we take for granted. But as we move into this Christmas season, uh, we had our Christmas party last night. And about 70 of you uh, came and we filled the fellowship hall with food and fun and singing and, and just had a great time last night at the party. But as we move into this Christmas, series, this Christmas season, we start to think about this idea of giving. We start to think about this idea of we're all out there looking for the perfect gift. We're on Amazon. Some people actually even go to this place called the mall. Some of you may have heard of it. It's this place with a lot of stores and shops uh, that have kind of become a thing of the past. But uh, we're all out there looking for that perfect gift and this idea of giving. And, and, and as you get older, and, and yes, I, I feel like I'm getting older now. I just celebrated another birthday. Uh, but as you get older, you, you start to understand this idea of giving and this idea that it truly is better to give than to receive. Now, when I was younger, when I was a kid, if you'd have told me it was better to give than to receive, I'd have said, you're out of your mind. Because I want to get, right? We want to get things. We want to receive things. We want to get those presents. Not nearly as exciting to give a gift. But what we want to look at today is that our God, the amazing God that you and I serve, is a giver. And I would say above all else, he is a giver. He is a giver of love. He is a giver of providing for our every need, and we know that ultimately, as we just focused on during communion, he was a giver of his son. And that's what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes today. I was only joking about the 45 minutes to an hour. It probably won't be more than 44 minutes, but let's go ahead and jump in today. And, and we want to look at this idea, right, from the Old Testament of this idea of the sin cycle, not the spin cycle like your washing machine, but the sin cycle. And we see this over and over and over again with the Israelites and their relationship to God. God would provide for them and everything would be great and they would be worshiping him in, in truth and in spirit. And then what would happen? They would forget who God is. They would forget what God was doing for them, and they would lose that faith and that hope and that trust that God was going to provide for their every needs. So what would they do? They would start kind of hedging their bets, right? And, and that's really what idol worship was all about. It wasn't just about the golden calf. It wasn't just about worshiping other gods. What they were doing is basically saying, I'm not so sure that God is enough, so just to be sure, I'm going to worship this God of fertility or this God of the harvest just in case God's not enough. And they would do this over and over and over again as they would kind of lose this faith and this trust in God and forget that who God is and forget that what God could do for them, and they would kind of hedge their bets. Right? They would start worshiping other gods just to be sure. So, God, you're going to take care of my spiritual needs, but this other god is going to make sure that I have a, a, a bountiful harvest this year or that my livestock is going to grow. And they would kind of lose that kind of hope and that faith that they had in God. And see, we do this same thing. 
We do the same thing. Sometimes we are all in for God, right? We're reading our Bibles every day and we're saying our prayers and we're going to church and we're serving our community. And other times we're going, God, why did you let this happen to me? God, where were you during my struggles? God, where were you during these hard times that you're allowing me to go through? And we start to look for other things. We start to look for other ways to solve our problems because we forget who God is and that God is a giver. And we're going to look at an example of this from the Old Testament today, and then we're going to, going to look at some New Testament scripture as well. But our key text today is going to come from Exodus chapter 16. So if you want to open your Bibles, open your Bible apps, open your web browsers to Exodus chapter 16. In just a minute, we're going to get started kind of unpacking that particular chapter in the book of Exodus. But here's what I want to focus on before then. This is a very common verse for most of us. This may even be a memory verse for you. may even be one of the first verses that you committed to memory. And that's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. I hope that this is a scripture that's important to you. And I hope that this is a scripture that speaks to you. And I hope this is a scripture that you lean on when times get tough. But see, the Israelites kept forgetting about this. And they forgot about this over and over and over again. And over and over, God had to remind them of who he was and how much he loved them and how much he would give them. And that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to jump into this text in Exodus chapter 16. And I'm going to go through this part of it fairly quickly because it's a fairly long chapter. So we're going to read through this and we're going, to, we're going to pick out some things and talk about some patterns that we see here in this scripture. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. It says, Which is between Elam and Sinai. It says, On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. It says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So a little context, right? We, we've now been, they've been freed from Egypt, and we're about two months out, right? We're, we're approximately two months after they've been freed from slavery in Egypt. And it's important that we understand that as we get ready to go through the next part of this, that they're, they're only about two months out of having been slaves and been treated as such and lived a life as such, and they are now free. And what are they doing? They're already starting to grumble. They're already starting to complain to Moses and Aaron, who in this case are acting as kind of the mouthpiece of God. It says, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They're so hungry at this point. They're like, oh, you know what? It'd be better if we were dead. It'd be better if they'd have just killed us in Egypt. Why can't we go back into slavery? See, all they wanted when they were in Egypt and when they were enslaved was to be set free. And now that they've been set free, they're already, oh, woe is me. You've just brought us here to starve. We'd be better off to either be slaves or to be dead. See, they've forgotten that God is going to provide for them and that God is going to take care of them. And they're, oh, woe is me. Be better to be dead. Let us just go back to Egypt and be slaves. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. It says, the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. It says, on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. 
So, so God is basically saying, look, I'm going to provide for you, but you need to follow my instructions. Now, we could go off on a whole other tangent today and spend a couple of hours unpacking the idea that, hey, if we want God to provide for us, we have to do his will. We have to follow his instructions. So he's setting this up in a manner to say, look, I'm going to provide for you, but this is what I want you to do. Now, what is he doing here? He's giving them instructions, and he's basically forcing them on a day-to-day basis to rely on God. He's reminding them of kind of who's in charge, and he's reminding them, look, I'm going to provide for you when you, if you follow my instructions. It says, so Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. It says, and in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Now, I love this because Moses and Aaron are kind of saying, right? Wait, why, why are you upset with us? This is God. God's the one doing all the work here. They're saying, hey, remember who God is. He's reminding them of who God is and that God is going to provide for them. Pick up in verse 8, it says, Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evenings and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. It says, then Moses told Aaron, so the entire Israelite community come before the Lord for he has heard your grumbling. It says, while Aaron was speaking, the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. He's reminding them again, look, I'm going to take care of you. You just have to trust in me. You just have to understand who I am. And what a powerful lesson for you and I on a daily basis that we need to remember that he is the Lord our God. God, and that at the end of the day, he's going to take care of us because he is our father who loves us and wants the best for us. Verse 13 says, the, that, that evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. It says the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. So God said, hey, I'm going to send this to you every day, but I only want you to take what you need for today. So many good lessons in this passage. We could talk for two hours about that, too, right, about only taking what we need But each person took what they needed, and it was just enough. Because, see, God knew what they needed. And they were, at this point, they're following his commands. It says, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. So they weren't following the instructions. They weren't doing what God had specifically told them to do. He told them, take just enough for today. But see, people didn't trust in God. 
They didn't understand that God was going to provide for them again tomorrow. So they were out there taking as much as they could because what happens if there's no more tomorrow? And God had already told them there will be more tomorrow. So what happened to that food that they gathered? It was no good. It was rotten. It had maggots in it. They were clearly not able to eat the food because they did not do what they had been told. And then it says, so Moses was angry with them. Poor Moses. You know, when you follow Moses' story, right, over and over again, he gets to, gets to kind of put in the middle of these types of, types of situations. You know, he goes up to get the Ten Commandments, right, comes back, they've already built a calf. You know, here he's told them exactly what to do, and they mess it up again. So then, you know, God's like, dude, what's going on? What are you doing? But see, they weren't following the directive, It says, each morning everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. And on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, and boil what you want to boil, and save whatever is left, and keep it until morning. It says, so they saved it until morning, and as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. So see, when we back up just a few verses, what happened, right? They gathered too much, and it was no good the next day. But see, God had told them, on that sixth day... I want you to gather enough for two days. Because why? Because he wanted them to observe the Sabbath on the next day. So now they did what they were told. They gathered enough for two days. And sure enough, the next day it was perfectly fine. And it was good to eat. See, God is orchestrating this plan. And he's managing this plan. And he's giving them what they need. Because he's a God who gives. He's providing exactly what they needed. And when they follow his instructions, it works. And when they don't follow his instructions, it doesn't work. Powerful lessons in this passage. It says, six days you are to gather it, but but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Here we go again, right? He made this very clear to them how this was going to work. He made it crystal clear how it was going to work, and now they've seen it work. They've seen what happens if they gather too much. It spoils. They've seen what happens when they gather the right amount on the day six. It's still good the next day, but yet some of them are still out looking for more. They're still out looking for more because they're still not trusting that we have a God who gives and that he's going to continue to provide. So they went out on the Sabbath day looking for more and found none. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and instructions? Again, Moses, right? He gets to be the middle guy. Hey, what's going on? Why are they doing exactly what I told them not to do? It says, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day, and no one is to go out. So God has kind of given Moses the business, Right? What's going on? I gave you guys very clear instructions, and yet they're still not doing what I told them to do. Because see, in the back of their minds, they still think they know more than God. In the back of their minds, their heart is still not where it needs to be to understand that God is a God who loves and a God who gives and a God who will provide. 
So they keep doing their own thing over and over again. It says, so the people rested on the seventh day. The peace of Israel called the bread manna, and it was like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. I mean, that sounds pretty good, right? Sounds like that would be a tasty snack. So as Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for, th- for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave them to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. It says, so Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. The, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. And the Lord commanded Moses... Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. See, God wants to use this as an object lesson. He wants to use this to remind future generations that God is good and that God provides. So he actually tells them, hey, put some of that in a jar and and put it with the tablets. Because I want to make sure that when this generation has passed, the next generation understands that God took care of the Israelites in the desert. And he wants to remind you and me of the same thing. Because, see, we are generations. We are future generations. He wants to remind us that he is good. He wants to remind us that he is a giver. And that just like he took care of the Israelites in the desert, he's going to take care of you and I here in Southern California in 2022 and 2023 and beyond. See, it's easy to get wrapped up. It's easy to get wrapped up when we look at these stories and and to say, what were you guys thinking? What were you guys doing? But we do the exact same thing. When times are good, praise God. When times are bad, God has left me. God has abandoned me. God has forsaken me. Where's God? And we all go through those phases in life, right? Where things are great, and our relationship with God is stronger than ever, and then when things are not so great, we start to question. And we start to go to our own devices. And, you know, we all reach a point in time in our lives where we have to have that faith that God will give and God will provide. Back when we were living in in Phoenix, and I was, Lizzie was teaching for Teach for America, and I was working for an insurance company, and I got put in a really awkward position. And my manager was uh, encouraging me or commanding me, basically, to do some things that I wasn't comfortable in doing. And he would say things like, if you would just adjust these numbers just a little bit, you could sell that policy. If you could just fudge these numbers just a little bit, you could sell this policy. If you just didn't necessarily tell them all of the underwriting guidelines, you could sell this policy. And it put me in a really awkward position because I needed that money and I needed those benefits to take care of my family. So I had a decision to make. Do I basically just throw my beliefs? Do I basically just throw what the Bible says about lying and cheating and stealing out the window because I need to provide for my family? Or do I step out in faith and quit the job knowing that God will take care of me? Long story short, I quit the job because I wasn't willing to do those things. And I quit that job with nothing in the bank, with with no backup plan, nothing in the bank, nothing to do. And I had nothing but faith. And and Lizzie and I hit our knees every night and prayed that God would 
provide that God would see us through this situation. And we know that God does. And I actually found a better job that I liked a whole lot better. And actually paid more, was closer to the house. It was a win-win situation. But when I quit that job, I had nothing to fall back on other than God. And I'm not saying I've always had rock-solid faith. But we can all think back to a time in our lives where God gave and where God took care of us. And maybe you were like Lizzie and I back when we first got married, and there were times where I was like, I don't know if we're going to have enough gas in the cars to get to work on Friday. But God always took care of us. And when we think back to Romans chapter 8, verses 28, God works all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So where do we go with this? Now that we know about this cycle, and now that we know about this concept that we have to have faith, where do we go? If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John chapter 14, 14. So we got to ask, right? we got to talk to God. We have to have a relationship with God because he wants to give. He wants to take care of you, but guess what? He also wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. The creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with you. Think about that for just a moment. The guy that breathed this world into existence wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to. We're going to flip over to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 11. So if you would, flip over with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And everyone who asks receives. For one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Are we seeking God? Are we seeking a relationship with Jesus? Are we knocking on that door? Are we going to him in prayer? Are we talking to God to tell him what we need? God knows what we need. But he also wants us to tell him. And that's why we see the example of prayer over and over and over and over and over throughout the Bible. Because God wants to have that relationship with us. We go all the way back to the garden. What he really wanted was to walk side by side with us and talk with us. But we, meaning people, screwed that up. But we still get to talk to him and we still get to ask him for what we need and we still get to thank him for what he's done for us. It says, which of you... If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Now here, here we're seeing just kind of an example, right, of, of if we ask, right, then God's going to provide. And just like if you were to ask your father for some bread, he's not going to give you a rock. And if you ask him for fish, he's not going to give you a snake. It says, if you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Your Father in heaven wants to give you good gifts. But he also wants you to ask because he wants you to have a relationship. And he wants you to talk. And just like any relationship, you've got to communicate. You've got to talk. And that's exactly what he's saying. Hey, I just want you to ask. 
And if you ask, I'm going to give it to you. He provides for our needs because he loves us. He loves you and me so much. He doesn't want us to struggle. He doesn't want us to suffer. That's not his plan. His plan is that we would all prosper, that we would all have the things that we need to the point that he was willing to send his son to make sure that that happened. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 50. It says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your domain endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all of his promises and fulfill in all he has done. God is trustworthy. We can trust him. So why do we lose our faith and our trust in him over and over just like the Israelites did? It's hard sometimes. I get that. But we got to focus on who God is. And we got to focus on the fact that God loves you more than you could ever comprehend. And he only wants the best for you. And see, the Israelites kept forgetting that over and over again. And today, 2,000 and however many years later, we forget as well. So what do we do with that? What, what do we take away from this? What do we walk out the door with today and apply to our daily lives so that we can remember who God is? And that we can remember what God does for us? And that we can remember that God loves us enough that he wants to provide for us? And that's just to remember that God is enough. God is enough. We don't have to rely on our own devices. We don't have to go outside of our relationship with God. He's enough. And that's what faith is all about. Being a Christian is having enough faith to know that God is enough. And that through our relationship with Jesus Christ, he's going to take care of us. So we've got to remember that God is enough got to have faith in who God is. And we've been talking a lot about this with Jason for the last few weeks, is just kind of this nature of God, right? We've we got to spend the time to get to know who God is. We've got to spend the time in the scriptures. We've got to spend time in prayer. We've got to spend time in meditation to know who God is. Because when you truly understand who God is, that's what's going to see you through those difficult times. Because those difficult times are going to come. Life is not always going to be sunshine and roses. It just doesn't work that way. We're going to go through difficult times all the time. But when we understand who God is, and we understand the love that he has for us, and we understand that he's always going to provide for us, it can give us that peace of mind that sees us through those difficult times. We've got to trust in his promises. We just read in Proverbs that he is trustworthy, and that he fulfills his promises. To remember that. We had to ask him for what we need. Are we spending enough time in prayer? Are we spending enough time talking to God? I don't know about you guys, but I try, I try to call my mother in Illinois about every two to three days just to check in because my mom seems to think phones only work one way. She hasn't quite grasped that cell phones, you know, hey, you can dial out on them just like you can, you can receive calls. So I, I try to be the good son and about every two days, if I haven't talked to my mom, I will, I will reach out and just check in. And Hey, mom, how's it going? Are we doing that with God? And hopefully we're doing that more than every two or three days. Are we talking to God daily? See, relationships are about communication. And think about your relationship with your children. Think about your relationship with your spouse. Think about your relationships with your siblings. 
Do you go days without talking to them? I mean, some of you have really big houses. Maybe you do, but do, do you go days without talking to your children? What if you went days without talking to your spouse? How, what would that do to your relationship? If you just passed each other in the hallway and just kind of gave them the head nod and kept on walking, but you didn't communicate with them, you didn't talk to them, how would that make you feel? Wouldn't be good. It would not make you feel good about your relationship. It's the same thing with God when he doesn't hear from us. He says, wow, is Aaron really so busy that he can't talk to me anymore? And we don't want to make God feel that way. So we've got to talk to him. We've got to ask him for what we need. We've got to, we've got to tell him what's going on in our lives. And, and he knows, of course, because he, he's, right, he's omniscient. But he wants us to talk to him. And he wants to help us, but he also wants us to ask. So I want you to remember this morning, God loves you so much. And he wants to provide for you, and he wants to give to you. And we always talk about John 3.16, but John 3.17 talks about the fact that the gospel's for everyone. If it were up to him, everybody goes to heaven. But we got to do our part. So maybe this morning, maybe you've never had that opportunity to give your life to Christ Maybe you've never had that opportunity to be buried in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins and to publicly confess your belief in Jesus Christ. You can do that here this morning. Or, or maybe, maybe you've just, like the Israelites, you've just kind of forgotten who, who God is. And, and you've let that relationship kind of drift away. We would love to talk to you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to help you in any way that we can as we stand together and as we sing. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife.